Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is wisdom. Wisdom. Wait. Wait. Oh, is it not? Is it? Yes. Yeah. It is wisdom (laughs) Wisdom. Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, we somebody actually did tell me that the visual is very much us still being at that little tea shop and we're just kind of trudging oh, along. Yes. <laughs> Especially since we were talking about gray hair before we started recording. Yes. What I was going to say is that <laughs> I've had two people respond or send feedback, air quotes, uh-huh. about how we need to get more in sync when we say wisdom Wednesday, that we are rhythmless was, and I quote one person. So I was like, Oh, I didn't know if it sounded like they were trying to give constructive criticism, but I was like, Mm -hmm. no, I like the way we say it. So we're going to continue to do what we're going to do. And um, yeah, bless. Bless. I like that. It's not perfect. I mean, it's a metaphor, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about how long it takes you like, you know, Tessa and I are pretty, we talk pretty often, but think about it. If you, the listener, we only get to see you, hear you, uh, talk to you uh, (laughs) once a week or twice a week, we have to sort of recalibrate. We have to reconnect, right? Mm -hmm. There's a moment in time where we have to sort of catch up on all of the things, all of the happenings, the news of the world, right? And we only say Wisdom Wednesday together once right. each week. Yeah. If you have feedback like that, don't send it to us. <laughs> Thanks. Here's a suggestion for the suggestion box. Get rid of the suggestion box. So I'm really excited today. Why, well, why am I excited, Tess? We have a very special guest. This is, this is unique to Wisdom Wednesday. We are a party of three today. And Rosie is excited just as I am because our special guest is here with us right now. So without further ado, I will introduce this amazing human, Gerardo Gonzalez. I'm sure I have like the the whitest accent and I'm sorry. So he he did give us his blessing to refer to him as G beforehand. So I will now refer to you as G. Thank you. (laughs) And so by way of introduction... You'll remember this a few weeks back, we asked for submissions for folks that wanted to come on Wisdom Wednesday to either share wisdom or have a topic in mind that they wanted to discuss. And G was hands down our winner, and he has an amazing topic for us to discuss today. And he's a really interesting guy. So I'm super excited to get to know him more and for Rosie to talk to him and for the three of us to have this amazing conversation, a little bit about him. 
He's an immigrant, an engineer, a father of three. Wow. Seven-year-old, five-year-old, and a two-month-old, a husband. <laughs> he has a community yoga studio in Savannah, Georgia. Very cool. He's ex- obsessed with experiencing a well-lived life and has looked for clues and books, travel, food, and experiences. I so empathize with that. Gee, awesome. I love this. He was introduced to yoga and discovered that yoga is both a process and a tool set to enable him to live a good life. This is what got me right here. Yeah, I was just living. Well, aside from him being a dad and just being a yogi and, you know, being where he's from, I just felt like he really spoke to the avatar. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the bio, but he's very much the avatar of who we created this show for. Mm, yeah, I love right? that. So yeah, I mean, do you want to continue? We can we can continue just introducing him or we can just have him tell us about himself. Let's, gee, please come to the stage. Say hello yeah, come to, to our audience. Stage. <laughs> good, good afternoon, good morning. Depends whenever you're listening. So I actually don't own a studio yet. That's kind of like one of my dreams would be to open a studio. Mm. And then, uh, which leads right to the question I had. It's like, how do I know if opening a studio fills my ego or it's actually my daughter? Oh. And I struggle with that question over. And I keep coming back to the question over and over. And I've written answers before, but then I don't know what happens. I still get stuck with the question. So maybe I haven't found the answer yet. Yeah. I don't know. And he's, wow, what a great voice. You have such a great voice. And you're also, you're also a teacher, right? You teach yoga? Yes. Yes. I mean, I come on. A, 300 hours training next, in a couple of weeks. So finish in mid-August. So yeah, I go to work and I just daydream about yoga. <laughs> and uh, it's fun. I'm really passionate about yoga. But I know it doesn't pay the bills. You know, I have an engineering job which pays the bills. So kind of feels like I have some like golden handcuffs, considering you know the life choices I made and where I am. But I'm trying to see if I can do both. You know, for as long as possible, and maybe one day I'll be able to make the switch from one profession to another. Yes, gee, I thank you, know? you so much for saying that. You said so much, and I, we can spend the rest of the next hour talking about everything that you just said because I can imagine there's millions of people out there who are going through the same thing. One of the questions that G sent in that I really liked and I've been thinking about for the last week because it's something that I think about all the time. The question was, how can we figure out if what we're doing is coming from the ego or if we're following our dharma? Sometimes they can be confused. That's what he said. And he's bringing up this topic of what do I do? He has an engineering job that, of course, pays the bills and it's secure. And there is sort of this desire for filling a different part of you. And how do you discern what is what? If it's part of your dharma to quit your job and open a studio and go there full time, or if it's part, if if that's the ego, right? So I think what's most important. And I think it's just important to address the two things separately. What is the ego and what is Dharma? So ego as, as part of the one of the afflictions of the mind. So if you study yoga, you're familiar with the kleshas, the afflictions of the mind. If you're not, if you're listening to this and you've not, you've not heard of these afflictions before in the yoga sutras of Patanjali, 
there is an entire conversation about what creates suffering. And there are five afflictions. It's typically pictured as a trunk with some branches rooting out of it. The trunk of a tree being avidya, which means ignorance. One of the branches is asmita, which is ego. Raga. Raga is the desire for wanting more pleasure, so to speak, for lack of a better term. Devesha, which is aversion, basically what I don't like, give me less of. And then there's abhinavesha, is the fifth, which is the fear of death. The yogis believe that if we are operating from any of these states, it's going to cause suffering, right? If we're acting from a place of ignorance, we're going to suffer. If we're acting from a place of ego, we're going to suffer. If we're operating from a place of only give me what I want in my life, I'm going to suffer. If I'm operating only from a place of just give me all of the pleasure and I don't want things that are going to disturb that, that is going to cause suffering. So I like to define ego as the little s self part of us that it has the desire for validation, that has the desire for sometimes an unsatiable type of energetic or power-driven acquisition. Like we're trying to acquire things to feed that part of ourselves that isn't serving our highest good. And the big S self is the part of us that connects to the divine, that connects to the greater good, right? That is part of our union. It's what we are connected to this big fabric of life. And so oftentimes, whenever we do anything, like, did I write a book for my ego? Or did I write a book because that was my dharma, right? Did I create a podcast because it was my ego? Or did I create a podcast because that was my dharma? And now dharma being, for the purposes of this conversation, means it is your path. It is your journey, your your destination, your very unique pathway to achieving enlightenment or happiness. And the idea in different schools of yoga is that this like predestined, predetermined path has been set and you instinctively acquire and feel certain desires to achieve that goal, to achieve that path. And when we don't adhere to those whisperings of following your path, we're taken off course. And oftentimes this causes unhappiness and, you know, all kinds of a list of things. You become, you know, more apt to numbing. You don't pay attention to your emotions. You don't feel your feelings. You, yeah, you just kind of create this really unhealthy cycle of pushing down the small whispers that are telling you where you need to go. So I hope that in defining that in a very ambiguous way, 
we can then come back to the question of how do I discern? How do I discern if it's my ego that just wants the validation and wants the glory of being seen a certain way, or if I'm really, truly, genuinely following my desire? So I have some insight on how to do that. And and I'd really love, obviously, Tessa is very familiar with all of this work as well. I'd love to hear her feedback on this. But oftentimes when you are operating from the ego, it's, it just, it has a different texture. Most of the time, you know, because it's very self-serving. Even though following your dharma essentially is the same thing, it's self-serving, it's serving yourself. It is in the service of others, typically. And it's really hard <laughs> to discern because for me to say, oh, I wrote this book for somebody else. It's like, no, I wrote that because of my ego. My ego self wants to create content that is consumed by a lot of people. But it's coming from a place of this is part of what I am compelled to do. So the idea is there shouldn't be any expectation then because then the ego gets involved. If I were to say, I wrote this book because I want it to be on the New York Times bestseller list and I want it to be X, Y, and Z, and that's the only reason why I'm doing it, then not only will I be disappointed, but it's not then serving my highest good because now I'm just creating this, this externalized egocentric experience to fulfill my worldly desires, not my spiritual desires. So there's the difference. Your dharma is going to serve your spiritual need and maybe all of your needs. The egocentric need is only going to fulfill all of those fleeting desires. The things that are just, they're going to change in a year or two, you know? So the way to examine this is, would I do this if I wasn't getting paid? Would I do this if I knew nobody would ever see it? Would I do this if it didn't go anywhere past the 10 people that I know? Would I do it then? And if you say yes, then okay. Then you know it's a higher calling. It's something that is coming from a higher state. The book that I wrote was going to get written regardless. I had started writing that book 10 years ago. The book was going to come out. It was going to happen however it was going to happen. And, and it did and it has. And now it's like, I'm done. Like I finished, it's complete. There is no other compelling desire there. With something like a studio or building a brand or starting another business that is involved with your own person, there's always a little bit of ego involved, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a little bit of ego in what you're doing because everybody has their own secret sauce. Everybody has their own medicine to give to the world. The way that you teach yoga, the way that you translate this information is going to be different than Tessa. It's going to be different than me. And other people are going to receive that different. Do we not agree? Have there not been books that you've read by certain authors at some land and some don't? That doesn't mean the work is bad. It just means the work is not for you. So 
therein lies the difference. The big question to me when I know if I'm operating from an ego or, or if I'm feeling like I'm fulfilling my dharma, it's, it's very simple. I have a meltdown about it most of the time. It's like I start to just think about all the worst case scenarios or this or that, anything that is sort of standing in the way between me and achieving this goal or, or having this desire. And I, I let myself live it. I close my eyes, I do a meditation and I say, okay, play it out, play it out where everything functions to the best of the ability. You're on that New York Times bestseller list or you're, you've created a successful studio, everything in your mind that you believe would be fulfilling and successful. Play the whole thing out in your mind. And now imagine doing everything, but then not having any of the accolades, not having anybody pay attention. You're doing it for you. So you create this whole entire thing. You quit your job. You go down the path of building and opening and, and just doing it for you. It's different, right? It just feels different. But for you, maybe it, maybe there is a different type of resonating experience when you do something out of the desire of just doing something. I guess really what I'm saying is when you think about it, there's always going to be ego in whatever you do, right? But how are you going to utilize it to fuel what your purpose is as opposed to allow the ego to take over and let the ego take the reins, so to speak? Does that make sense? Tessa, you go. <laughs> Mic drop. I resonate so much with this question and this, this place that you find yourself in. Gee, Rosie and I have had so many conversations about that transition from, you know, a steady income, maybe a 401k benefits, all that stuff to the entrepreneurial world in particular, yoga and wellness as a life path or a career. And I too always found myself struggling with this idea of, for me, it almost felt like, and I'm not sure if this is part of what the struggle is for you, G, so feel free to jump in here. But it always felt like, at least when I was starting out teaching, it felt like it was really hard for me to wrap my head around making money off of these teachings and knowing that I would be leaving a stable job to go do that felt almost immoral at first. And so there was a struggle for me between this idea of, am I doing it for the money, for the ego, for the accolade, for the fames that may or may not come along with it? Or is this like my path and my dharma? And as it happened for me, life pushed me in this direction very viscerally. <laughs> I was actually part of a riff, which is a reduction in force. And it felt to me like this was the sign that I had been waiting for that really big push out of the nest to go take that leap and become the entrepreneurial yoga wellness person that I wanted to be for the past 10 years that I had been kind of humming and hawing over. And so I really resonate Rosie with what you said about it being it's and in both. I think that it's okay for the ego to be served and to be very much a part of who you are and, and the reason behind why you're doing something and also in alignment with your dharma. I don't know if they're mutually exclusive in that way. And yes, I think it's really important to define both of them, the ego, as opposed to 
our Dharma path because they, they are different concepts, but I do think that they can work together in harmony. And especially when you're talking about building a business that you would need to feed your family and feed yourself and provide and protect and take care of and provide a service that is valuable. And people will exchange whatever it was throughout the course of history, whether it was money or goods or services, we've always exchanged something that is a value to us for the thing that we want. Right. So I think it's, you know, I always kind of like try to go a layer deeper when I'm trying to answer these questions for myself of like, what is, what is the concern underneath this question that appears on the surface to be binary or appears to be black and white? Because it really isn't. There's always these subtle nuances and, and grays that Rosie and I always find ourselves diving into oh, in these the <laughs> Wisdom time. Wednesday conversations. So I think the answer to that question for me is, can it be both and? And the one thing that I always caution myself and anyone else with ego is, okay, if it's both and, why is the ego such a dangerous figure? Why does it feel so scary? Because if we let the ego drive, like if the ego is in the driver's seat with the reins, we can become these people that are so far separated from our Dharma and ourself that we don't even recognize that maybe we take a wrong turn and it becomes very dark and, and scary and lonely. And I think that's when you see people in the limelight that have really, truly lost themselves that yeah. maybe have achieved that level of success. And they're like, whoa, where my fall from grace, like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And I achieved all of these things because the ego is driving. Rosie, do you, you have your, like, no, I'm yeah, just like, yeah, sister. I'm like, this is everything that you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Because the ego wants to be bigger. That's it's, that's the job. That's the discerning factor. The yeah. ego just wants more and more power, more attention. The ego wants to expand. The difference is your uniqueness, your character is a result of you living your dharma that is something that's already developed in you as a result of going down the path that you're here to go down the ego and yes and i agree it is this and it's that the ego's approach is always a bit more self-serving it, its desire is to expand and magnify and so what Tessa's saying is interesting because when you do get to that level, when people do say that they lost themselves, it makes sense because you've been driven then by the ego that you've lost your ability to feel your uniqueness, your own characteristics, your own secret sauce, because you've pulled away from the magic of being on a path that is heart-centered as opposed to something that is driven by the mind and the desire to succeed or accumulate or gather things, you know. I think that they're really important questions to ask. I mean, the fact that you've been asking the questions is is really important, but I'd be curious to ask you, like, everybody, <laughs> something that you said when, when we first started, you said, well, being a yoga teacher doesn't pay the bills. And I agree. And then I don't, right? Because I'm like, well, I've done pretty well, but I've also diversified my business so that I can do well. However, still following that path very much. Teaching yoga by itself is not going to, yes, it's a 
It's a fickle career at times. And unless you're teaching a million classes a week, it's going to be very difficult. But, and I'm just saying energetically, because it does take a lot of energy to lead a class. You obviously know this, as opposed to using something that resonates with you deeply and finding different ways to teach yoga, not Teaching asana isn't the only yoga you can teach, right? You can teach yoga philosophy. You can teach yogic modalities for engineers. You can teach, you can teach all kinds of different things if you decided you wanted to quit your job and, and do this. It's not easy for sure. It's not for the faint of heart. Ask Tessa. She knows this. These are also conversations we've had for many years mm -hmm. and it takes a certain, it's, I, I'm gonna, I have not used this word and now I remember the conversation I had with Tess in the car. It takes a certain gravitas to be able to really start your own business because at that point, you're fully in. You are fully in. And if you have that sand, that gravitas, you will succeed. There is no question. There is just you and success. The minute that you decide to take that plunge, it's you and success. There is no, well, what if? The minute you feel the doubt creep in, that's the ego coming in and the ego decides, mm, maybe let's pull back or maybe let's do this. The commitment to it begins to wane. It's almost like if you have a plan A, people that have a plan B, will never have plan A work because of the plan B. So it's almost like mm. the way that I've learned and the way that I've done everything is just dive in. And I've done so many things that haven't worked, but at the same time, I go back to what is my Dharma? What am I here to do? Am I still doing it? I always have to check in because I tell myself the moment that what I'm doing for work or career is not feeling like it's filling that part of my soul, then I know it's not something that is in alignment. Then I know, oh, this is the ego. The ego is operating here because this doesn't bring me joy. This doesn't make me happy. This doesn't feel right. Does that make sense, G? I don't know. How is any of this stuff landing with you? Yeah, it lands. <laughs> I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying, and I've come to a lot of the same conclusions, you know, it, but I forget over time. And then, uh, so one thing I'd like to add to a little bit of history on my background, one of the, I learned a lot of things when I was in YTT, and my experience was different than everyone else's, right? Being married, Hispanic, male, in yoga teacher training, my experience was way different. And uh, everyone kept talking about this negative self-talk that people have. And I found that like to be such a peculiar, strange thing. And I guess uh, I've discovered that <laughs> I actually have like a very well-developed ego and yoga has helped me like realize that, you know, basically the, I've discovered I wasn't a nice person and I want to move on from there. And it's, it's true. You know, it's like I've, most of my life I'm an engineer and that like, I've actually on purpose tried to live my life as analytical as possible and moving away from emotion, moving away from feeling and it got me pretty far. Like there's a couple of memories I have, you know, in high school, in college, 
And, you know, like I look at my life now and like, I shouldn't be where I am, you know, financially, you know, it's just like, I just don't belong here. And statistically speaking, I'm on the tail end of the bell curve. And like, I think it's ego has helped me get there, but I can't rely on that. You know, it's, it's, it's also hampering me. Like, you know, what brought me here doesn't that necessarily was like, let me move on and like continue to develop myself as a person. So I'm like very sensitive to ego and feeding it. And uh, the first time I came up with this question, I actually wrote an answer. I actually go through my journal to find it. And I, what I wrote was like, ego is temporary. It's a way to position ourselves and our life in relationship to the world. When we look back over the sum of our life, look to see what is consistent throughout our life, the quiet and the ever present, you know, and that's like where the Dharma comes from. And, you know, like I wrote it, I completely forgot that I even wrote this. It's like, I need to keep coming back to this over and over again. So back to my healthy ego, it's, I'll teach like a class, right? You know, I'm not famous. I'm not, you know, a big deal. And, but like after class, you know, a student's like, gee, you know, this was the greatest class, you know, you're a Mason yoga teacher. And like, like that, like, it's the biggest shot to the ego as possible. And, um, you know, last uh, couple of weeks ago, you're talking about luck, you know, and how you struggled with the podcast and early on and developing, having listeners come in, but it's like, you play around with vulnerability. We talk about a lot of that in yoga and even Brene Brown talks about vulnerability a lot, instead of making it a way to protect yourself, let it spill out. It's like, what happens if you, you, you become vulnerable and you let it spill out and people love you for it. Like that is kind of, I don't know, I think it's kind of dangerous. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're playing on the edge because then, you know, then like you're being yourself and people are loving for you. And it also reminds me of a Jay-Z lyrics. He was talking about, um, it's all it's called Lost Ones. It's like, you know, it's like fame is the worst drug known to man. When you look at, you can look at the mirror and say, look, there I am. And it's like, you not see what you become, which goes back to what Tessa was saying. It's like, you can become famous and like, you can look in the mirror and like, just be awestruck by yourself. And like, you don't even know who you are anymore. And like, I'm, I worry about that. I'm like, I'm overtly sensitive to anything that feeds my ego. And I, you know, I really have to come back to, you know, my why, mm-hmm. why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? It's always, I get like a hit. And it's, it's crazy, you know, even when I'm helping somebody do something, I can help somebody do um, a handstand or, yeah, it was a handstand. I just helped, assisted them. And when they came out of it, they were so excited. And like, and that was the ego hit for me because like I helped them, but they're the ones that did all the work. But, you know, it's it's weird. And it's uh, when you are yourself, you become vulnerable, you open your heart and people love you for it. You know, somebody that's like me, it's it's kind of dangerous, you know, to continue to feed that beast yeah god that's so yeah. good i love and the little shout out to jay-z lyrics because we love jay-z on this podcast <laughs> finding the motivation to work out and eat healthy has always been a struggle for me that all changed once i found my fitness pal and i know i also thought it was just for counting calories but my fitness pal actually teaches me about my nutrition and fitness habits and helps me create new ones that stick and what's more motivating than that MyFitnessPal isn't a rigid diet plan. Instead, you gradually learn from personalized data that works for you. And if your version of healthy looks different than mine or someone else's, that's 
totally fine. The whole point is helping you to find the best path for your goals. Even better, my Fitness Pal Premium membership, which is the one that I have, gives me custom goals and expert guidance to help me reach my personal health goals the way I want to reach them. There's an app customization that lets you choose the right settings to help you meet your individual goals. So if you're into macro tracking, low carb, heart health, etc., you can stick to it more easily. Premium's deeper nutritional insights help you discover which foods fuel you best. I consider myself a pretty healthy person, but when I started to track everything and I realized that I was having a lot of sugary types of foods, I really love sweet. I have a sweet tooth, but I noticed that I was having a lot of little treats towards the evening and I was always having dessert at night and all of these sugars were creating a disruption in my sleep habits. And it wasn't until I was actually able to see everything that I was eating that made me realize that this was impacting my overall recovery. The best part about MyFitnessPal is that you're not doing it alone. You have access to guided daily workouts and meal plans written by dietitians and exercise scientists plus support from other members with shared goals and experiences. MyFitnessPal does way more than count calories. For a limited time, they are offering all of our Radically Loved listeners three months of their premium membership for free. If you're already a member, it's not a problem. You can still claim this offer. Get your premium membership by going to loved.myfitnesspal.com and use the code LOVED to get three months for free. That's loved.myfitnesspal.com. Dot com and use the code LOVED. So head over to loved.myfitnesspal.com to get your three months of premium membership for free. With so much in life trying to divide us, finding common ground can too often feel like a revolutionary act. Enter Van Jones. As a news commentator, Van hears opinions from across the political spectrum. But as a change maker, he's dedicated his life to cutting through the political noise. He's been building uncommon coalitions in pursuit of the common good. In the new Amazon original podcast, Uncommon Ground with Van Jones explores topics that affect us all, from climate change to racial inequality, the state of our democracy to quality education access for all. He's talking to thought leaders and getting real with the people about how to join hands in pursuit of the common good. At a time when things feel divided, Van and his guests are searching for unity and building bridges to bring people together. So if you're looking for hope, for a place where people are uniting to find real solutions, join Van on the journey to find uncommon ground. This podcast was so powerful. It was so beautiful to be able to see how everybody from the different perspectives, from the different belief systems to be respected and to actually be heard. And that's something that unfortunately isn't publicized much these days on regular media. So I really loved that this podcast does the work of bringing people together. Uncommon Ground premieres on October 27th on Amazon Music or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. Thank you for that. Wow. So many beautiful things that you said. I want to address all of it. And I'm just curious, I'm going to ask you a quick question. What do you think, what is the difference between ego and confidence? I think ego, you're doing something for others, maybe to impress others. 
and confidence, it's it's you do something that you I'll say you're good at, that you know you're good at, and that you can help others. That's what. Mm, yeah. Okay. No. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. And I yeah. I agree with this definition. And also, I feel like your awareness of your ego, your healthy ego that you so called it is already a step in the many steps in the right direction, because the minute you're shining a light on it, which means you're fully aware of its, of its whereabouts. <laughs> you're, you're very aware of its location and its size. This is always good because we can then track it. We can observe, we can notice. Now, we understand that there is a difference between being confident and being egocentric. I think it's really important to have confidence, but to not let it become egocentric. So I think that for you getting those hits from your students, any, everybody's going to feel good. You know, somebody says, oh, I love listening to your podcast or I had the best experience. Tessa's collecting testimonials for my website right now. And I'm kind of reading some of them. And I, I kind of have to take take my time to read because there's that, oh my goodness, like this is what? <laughs> That's amazing that somebody could say something so nice about you. But at the same time, it's not you. You're not doing any. It's not you. You're not the person that is creating. You're facilitating. You are assisting just like you said. So yeah, the problem becomes when you start to buy your own bullshit, right? Like you're buying into your own hype. At that point, that becomes dangerous because then you think, oh, I'm the, I did this. I changed your life. I've heard so many coaches and so many teachers. Oh, don't, I'm going to help you. Let me help you with that. I'm going to help you fix this. You might have insight. Your flashlight might be better than mine, but you are not creating my experience, I am. And so I think that knowing that and knowing that that is the truth, allowing yourself to have the confidence to say, I'm a good enough teacher that I can get somebody into a handstand safely. You should be proud of that. You should be proud. You should be confident because I don't want somebody that doesn't feel confident to assist my handstand. <laughs> I don't want the person that's sort of self-deprecating and being like doing all the work to squash their ego and maybe a little bit of their confidence because they want to be the humble teacher. I want the teacher that's going to say, hey, this is the alignment. We're going to come to this wall right here. And you're going to put your hands down, you're going to align yourself, and then you're going to kick up with this foot, and then I'm going to hold this, and I'm going to help you up. Like, there's a difference between being confident and being egocentric. And although, look, I don't know you personally, I'm believing and I'm trusting that whatever you're telling me is true, that you're saying you have a healthy ego. But then what I see as an outsider is somebody who say does, and especially you're an engineer. I have two friends that went to engineering school in Mexico City, and they're both engineers, and they're two of my closest friends, and they are extremely ego-centered. Because <laughs> they're like, 
brilliant. And to me, I'm like, you guys are just super smart. <laughs> like, that's amazing. <laughs> but it's like, there's also this air of confidence that you have, a confidence of doing something really well. And I think it's important to have that. I think it's important to be able to be secure in what you're doing because that confidence is going to inspire somebody else to be confident. I'm sure there's been a point in your life where your healthy ego has helped somebody that didn't have one at all. And maybe you gave them the courage to do something that they wouldn't have had the confidence to do, right? So going back to what Tessa said, it's, it's this and, it's not one or the other. I think the danger becomes when we want and have the desire for expansion in that way. All of a sudden, it's like, no, G is like the handstand master. Like you can't do a handstand unless he's, he's helping you. Unless his assists are the only ones that will help you get into a handstand. At that point, it's a little, that's a little sketch. We, we don't necessarily want to go there, right? It's like anybody that says that they have it all figured out or anybody who announces their sovereignty as a teacher or as a leader in some, you know, in whatever respect. I always like to observe those people. It's like, okay, that's good. You have to be confident. You have to assert your voice. You have to assert yourself as an expert. But I'm just forever the student. And I just feel like there's a certain type of or a certain sense of humility that people that have that kind of attention should always have. They should always be questioning, where is my ego right now? Where are they? Where are their whereabouts? Can I track it? Where is it? Is it staying in its place? Am I able to feel the humility of my work? Right? So I think, I don't know, that, that would be my advice. Tess, do you have anything? Yeah, I think the thing that keeps coming up for me around this conversation is the follow-on question that G actually wrote to us, which is what happens if you show up authentically and people love you? Because if I turn that, if I kind of dissected that question a little bit, it's this this topic that we're talking about is how do we stay balanced and grounded when our ego is really getting fed all the time? And is the the underlying fear that that we're scared of our own power, that stepping into our own power will make us be that person who loses ourselves in our success. And then we become the person we didn't want to be. And we we depart from our dharma, right? So again, it's the both and, and also addressing the practices that keep us balanced and grounded in our successes. And they're the same practices that keep us grounded and pull us back up when we fall and we fail. And they're the same practices that help us step from the darkness into the lightness that allow us to turn that flashlight on and really see who we are. So I think as, as long as you have like a sounding board that keeps you grounded at you, people in your life that keep you grounded practices in your life, which it seems like you do that keep you grounded. Then I feel like it's, that's your safety net, right? It's like your checks and balances. We need our checks and balances to keep us honest. And then the other part of that is I always love this wisdom that it's stoic philosophy. I believe it's from Marcus Aurelius is the practicing the worst case scenario because the flip side of success, what is it? Failure for me. So practicing that worst case scenario of what happens if I open this studio and 
the opposite of success comes, complete failure. And in contrast to a plan B, I think of it as just stepping into a new situation with my eyes wide open. Like I know maybe I fail at this. Maybe I have to go back to the corporate work world or have to go back to my engineer job because this venture isn't allowing me to provide for myself and my family in the way that I need it to. Will I be okay with that? Will I be okay? Yeah, you'll be okay. I mean, it's like that, that whole range of not necessarily a plan B, but just like, am I going to be okay? Yes, you will. I'd always love this wisdom that my parents shared with me when I was a little kid. And I say it at the end of every one of my yoga classes. And that was, it was a little prayer. And it was like, may you find a white light to guide you and keep you safe. May you remember that you will always be okay. May you have hope, help, and happiness. And the remember that you will always be okay part always stuck with me. So yeah, I love that follow-on question. What happens if you show up authentically and people love you and you succeed? And also looking at it from both sides of that coin, because you talk about that double-sided coin. So I wonder if like, if you were to dissect that question, is there a fear there? Yeah. So one of my things that I do is like, I always imagine myself in my deathbed and like looking over my life, but reflecting, I mean, what I really, what the goal is to minimize as many regrets as possible. Right. And so like, I look back and (laughs) I'm looking back at my life and do I have regrets or do I have like a big grin in my face saying, yeah, I did that shit. You know, it's like, (laughs) that's the way I want to be, you know, like, and I've thought about it, you know, like what if I open up a studio and it fails I, the answer, I, I went through this exercise already. I had like, a, I got from like Tim Ferriss and he talks about, you know, it's like this disaster mapping, like you said, you know, you just like to think of how, every, like how things can break or how things can fail. And I would be happy if that I opened the studio and it failed to knowing that okay, at least I gave it my best effort. I've gone through this exercise and it's pretty, it's pretty rewarding, you know, to see like, Hey, you know, it's, there's other options besides you know always being the best at what you do. Sometimes you that's the ego the right there. That. That's the ego yeah. right there. Yeah. That is the key right there to identify when it's the ego. I mean, what you were saying is so beautiful, G. I totally am on board. It sounds like you are going to continue to follow your path. You know, the soul the soul path is Dharma. And the ego's path is the one that needs the validation. And it's also very fickle. The ego self is very, uh, it can be unpredictable and it's not consistent. Sometimes it is when it comes to certain things that you're trying to achieve or acquire, but the soul's purpose or your, your soul, your, your Dharma, your Dharmic path is consistent. It's ever present. And what you said is so funny, the ego thing, right? Like your those desires that we have it has to be the best so when i'm reviewing my manuscript and i'm going over and 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 reading it i'm so hypercritical of everything i'll give you an example when i finally got my last copy edits and i finished reading it and i did the little edits that I had, Tori asked me, how do you feel? 
Are you excited? Are you happy? Are you happy with what you did? And I said, no, of course not. No, I'm not happy. This could be better. This could be better. It could always be better. It could be better. Absolutely, 100%. That is my ego. The voice inside my head that is saying, this can be better. And maybe it could be better, like realistically. I mean, of course, everybody's always going to feel like their work can be better, that it's not the best. I didn't grow up with anybody telling me I had to be the best. Somehow I acquired that really unfavorable character defect. Somewhere along the path, I acquired this, I'll call it her perfectionist. That is such an anomaly to me because, again, I didn't have any of that growing up. So somehow that became a trait that I felt I needed somehow. And when she appears in the forms of, you're not even going to give yourself a little bit of credit because I'm like, okay, I don't deserve credit. I completed a task. Like, great. Thank you. I did it. I did it. I did it. It's done. To God she goes. But the fact that I have to assess my work, yeah, the ego gets involved, right? Or if it's something that I feel really confident in doing, there's no question. It's like, no, this was good. I did a good job on this. I created this little program and it's good. Like, I know it's good. Because for me, I feel like when I teach something, that's not me. That is the teachings. That is somebody else's work that I am teaching out into the world. It's not my own. When it comes to my own work, there's a different set of regulations, so to speak. There's a different set of expectations is better because the expectation is very, very tightly connected to the ego because most of the time, what is an expectation or what is resentment is, what is it? Wait, what is it? Did I say that backwards? (laughs) A little backwards. Yeah, I did. Right, because resentment is premeditated. Expectations, right? No, no, no. No, I I said it right. Yeah, expectation is premeditated resentment. Yeah, because it's like I have an expectation, so I will premeditate the resentment that I will feel later when I don't get what I wanted. I mean, I guess it works either way. It's really fucked up. It's just the ego. The ego is fucked up. (laughs) Let's Let's just leave it at that. Well, so that being said, I think maybe this just opens us up for the topic for next week. Maybe we go deeper into the ego because I don't know that we answered your question, G. Did we help you? It's a tough question. And it's like I said, it's I've answered it for myself. And as time passes, I forget the answer. And I've had to come back to it over and over again, you know, the who am I doing this for? You know, why am I doing this? And how do I quiet all the noise and, you know, go down one level and see what's that underlying consistent thing, themes that's existed throughout my life. So it's, you know, iterative process that we have to do just like everything in yoga. It's always iterative. One more layer, one more vinyasa. Yeah. One more meditation. Yeah. One more peeling back. That's all we're doing here. We're just peeling back the layers, guys. This isn't rocket science. This is just internal, at times, hellish work. Um, 
<laughs> so thank you so much, Chi, for being here, for being part of our Wisdom Wednesday and for submitting your questions and for being our first guest on the show, like our first Wisdom Wednesday guest. We're so grateful. And those of you that are listening, we'll continue to do this just for a couple more weeks. And well, depending, maybe you guys like this, maybe you're like, you don't. Guess who gets to pick Tessa and I? So just for the purposes of us having options, send us your question or topic that you wish to discuss here on Wisdom Wednesday. Send it to info at radicallyloved.com. Subject, Wisdom Wednesday guest. And we will look through to see if it's a topic we want to discuss. Either way, we will we respond to every single email. So just you know, send us your feedback. We love hearing from you guys. There is some really exciting stuff coming up. I was going to announce something. I'm like, I don't know when this podcast is coming out. So yeah, I'm really excited to have had this conversation. Tess, do you have anything else you want to add? I just so appreciate G your question, your topic, your time. Thank you for being with us. I want to hear like if if you make this decision, I want to hear from you. So if this helps at all, if like there's a a step a jumping off point to your studio opening, I want to be one of the first to know. Please let us know. Yes. And let's we're gonna add G's Instagram handle to the show notes. So if you want to give him a follow, please do. If you want to post this particular podcast episode on your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag us. And just remember that we're all on this path together. And the more that we're able to transcend from a place of not knowing to knowing, we can begin to acquire wisdom over time. I was thinking about that a lot. Maybe we can talk about that again for the next episode. Well, thank you both so much. And I'm excited to see here. <laughs> you guys watch these videos. They're on YouTube. They're awesome. And um, yeah, we will be back on Friday. We love you and have a great Wisdom Wednesday. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us. Message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes. Write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.